1: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
0: Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, Join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie.
2: Hello everybody. Welcome and thank you for listening in. The doctor is in. So thanks for listening to my show. This is my form of positive radio therapy for listeners who are sick and tired of the ongoing negative news network. So this is my way to be a positive force in the world. I like to start off with honorable mentions. I don't do shout outs because I don't like to shout at people. It makes me upset. So I'm going to do the. My honorable mentions are Marsha and Herb Anderson, they are celebrating tomorrow their 50th wedding anniversary, isn't that incredible? Their 50th anniversary. Congratulations, guys. Uh, We have dear friends, Suzanne and Dimitri. She is writing her book about her incredible life and I hope to get her on my show one day to talk about her book and to promote it. And her husband, Dimitri, is a brilliant architect who's building this magnificent uh, home here in Paradise Valley, not too far away, we hope to visit them. Uh, I've got a dear friend, Harry Slayle, used to be in the music industry many years ago in New Mexico. And one time, Harry and I were talking about what he loves to do, and he collects music on his, on his iPod. And I said, you know, it's almost like the soundtrack of your life. You ought to consider doing something with that. So he sent me in the mail about a week ago a little note that said, I did it. And I mentioned you on my first show and what he did. He set up his own special show on iTunes, where you would go on to iTunes, you check out his podcast, and it's under Radio Wilder, and that's radio as in the word radio, and then Wilder is W-I-L-D-E-R. It's one of his brand names. And he... Just you go onto the link, you click on what kind of music you want to hear, and he'll play for it. He says, Connie, I know your husband, John, likes Steve Miller. Click on it. He asked me to play Steve Miller for him. So thank you, Harry, for doing that. It's great that you went on and, and promoted that. I also want to do a special honorable mention for my dear friend, Dr. Bernard Bendock. Dr. Bendock and his son, Michael, will be on my show in a couple weeks, He is Mayo Clinic Scottsdale's neurosurgeon. Yep, the head guy, and and we're gonna talk about what it's like being a a neurosurgeon. And one of the things I like to do is I follow him on Facebook, and he posted this lovely proverb. It was an African proverb that I wanna share with you. And what this proverb says is, plan with a purpose, prepare with prayer, proceed with positivity, Pursue with persistence, there's a lot of P's there, so I like the message of purpose, prayer, positivity, and persistence, so that's really great, thank you all for for tuning in and, and sharing those things. As we prepare for the theme today, I kept thinking of signs, looking for signs, and, and I was going through my, my daily calendar, I have one of those New York Times daily calendars, and uh, they had these really cool cartoons and I, I looked at the October 2nd cartoon of my New, or my New Yorker magazine and there's this really cool cartoon of Moses with his staff standing there, and it says Moses awaits the word of God. And up in the clouds, there's this bubble with the three little dots, which my son Andrew just told me, "Hey, that's the like the Trinity," and it's like dot dot dot, you know. So it's it's waiting for the message from God. So I wonder, have you had a time in your life where you? Think you were getting messages from God? I mean, God doesn't really email you, but does God send you messages? Was there a time you were struggling and wanted an answer to something, needed some guidance? You prayed and prayed and prayed and then you thought, I think that's the answer. I, I got a phone call or a message or I saw a sign. You know, are there signs out there? Now, there's some people say, ah, that's coincidence, that's, you know, maybe destiny, maybe it's luck. But I really do believe people get messages from God. I think I have. Uh, I've experienced it several times in my life where I thought I was at a place in my life and I was waiting to make a decision. And sure enough, those turning points, there was some message that told me it was okay to proceed. One of the things I, I, I think about, and I wrote about it in my book about my times at the White House, in 1991, when... I was trying to decide whether to stay in or stay in the Navy, make it a career, or get out. It, uh, I got chosen to be interviewed at the White House for the job of White House physician. It was. Came, totally out of the blue. My boss didn't know I had literally on my desk the papers for release from active duty. I was going to fill them out, and my boss called me. He didn't know I was trying to get out. And as I was filling them out, he said, listen, he called me up. He says, I, I've gotten some uh, messages from Washington, D.C., message traffic, as they call them in the Navy, and I'm to nominate five candidates for the position of White House doctor, and I want to put you on the list. And I went, yeah. so, so that got me on that path to be interviewed. And nine months later, I'm in Washington, D.C., I'm with the, you know, four other guys who are, who are being interviewed, and they all look like clones of Tom Cruise out of Top Gun, all nice hair, nice teeth, they know everybody, I don't know anybody from Washington, I have no connections, so I'm the, I'm the one who's the long shot, you know, there's no way I was going to get this job. So the individual who interviewed each of us privately was Dr. Jay Burtonley Lee III, And Dr. Lee, at that time, was a senior physician to George Herbert Walker Bush, who was our president at that time. And Dr. Lee was very close to him, uh, the President Bush, and he was the final say in the interview. He would make the decision which among the Navy doctors would be chosen for that one slot to join the Army doctor and the Air Force doctor, as well as the medical team at the White House. So as I was brought into the ground floor of the White House, The incumbent physician, Dr. Roberts, says, have a seat. I'm just going to go introduce you to Dr. Lee. So I sit down. I'm all nervous, excited. And Dr. Roberts walks over into the next room. And I can hear the two gentlemen talking. And Dr. Roberts says, Dr. Lee, I have our next candidate here. And I hear this voice on the other end say, well, did you bring her resume? Did you bring her paperwork with you? And Dr. Roberts goes, oh my goodness, I forgot it in the other building with the other doctors where we were doing our big interview with the group. And then the voice goes really gruff, and I hear something thrown across the room. And Dr. Lee's voice says, well, never mind, I'll make the decision without it. And Dr. Roberts pulls away from the door. He looks at me and says, you're on. And I thought, oh, that's just wonderful. You've just ticked off the guy you have to interview with. So I stood up and you know, took a deep breath. And this is before Amy Cuddy wrote that book, Power Posing. So I guess I did my form of power posing, You know, nice stance, you know, feel your, you know, calm yourself, center yourself. And what I did is something I believe in. And what I did was I said a silent prayer. I said, dear God, if this is meant to be, show me a sign. So I walked through the door into the office. And I saw Dr. Lee right away, very distinguished gentleman in his 60s business suit. But as soon as I saw him, I saw the sign right away. And it made me smile because what it was, was a single tan Band-Aid right across his forehead. And at that time, my sons were three and five, two little kids. So I'm a mom of two little boys. And all I can see through the eyes of a mom were, my goodness, he's got a boo-boo on his forehead. So... I shook his hand. He pointed to the, the desk and the seat across from it and said, sit down. And that began my interview. But what I saw was a Band-Aid. Well, I got the job. That's a whole different story, but I did get the job. And about another mu- nine months later, after my security clearance came through, I'm at the White House. I'm a, a young doctor trying to you know, figure out this job. And the other doctors are showing they're orienting me how to follow the president around. And one of the first we call the movements we did with George Herbert Walker Bush is a golf movement. The president goes to Congressional Country Club, and when presidents play golf, isn't just a few golf carts. No, it's about 12 golf carts following them around, which have Secret Service guys—you know, big, you know, bulky guys with headphones, with their earpieces. They've got—they're uh, armed, ready to go. And I'm sitting there with the military aide in my golf cart and my little medical bag, seated between us. Against the nuclear football, which is a briefcase that has the nuclear codes. So I'm trying to lay low, trying to do my job, and trying to look cool. And I had packed my medical bag, and at that time they didn't standardize those bags, which I changed when I became the director. We standardized them. So I'm hearing over the radio traffic, because we have your piece, um, we hear this. We hear Timberwolf, which is the code name for George Herbert Walker Bush. Timberwolf needs a band aid. He's got a little scrape on his, uh, behind his ankle. And I said, oh, sure, I'll, you know, the Mil- looks at me and says, do you got a Band-Aid doc? And I said, oh yeah, I got, I got one. I'm sure I got one in this bag. So I open my bag and I'm looking for it. And I take out, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, britilium, the Atropine, the Epinephrine, I'm rifling through it. And I can't find a darn Band-Aid. And as I'm pouring, pouring, you know, tossing things out one by one, I look up and the President of the United States is in a golf cart headed towards my cart. And I'm doing this faster and faster, he gets closer and closer, and pretty soon he comes up to my cart, he gets out of his cart, he puts his foot on the fender of my golf cart, lifts up his pant, and he points to his ankle where he's got a little scrape. And finally, as though by divine intervention, I see a single crumpled bandaid at the bottom of that bag. I take it out, I run to him, I put it on his ankle, he looks at me and says, you're a great American, and he walks away. <laughs> And it was like, from then on, I have like 50 Band-Aids in that bag. But those are the signs from God. I mean, I really believe. I don't think it's luck. I think it's signs from God. And, and I see that throughout my life. And, you know, fast forward you know, so many years later, it's 2001. I moved to Arizona, which had lots of signs from God. And I'm searching for a church to attend. And I grew up in a devout Catholic family. My mother, Rosary, you know, played prayed the rosary, the powerful novenas. My husband John asked, are there less powerful novenas? Are there sort of weak novenas? Are they all powerful? I said, they're all powerful because they go directly to the Virgin Mary. They really do. Talk to somebody's mother, it gets done so i grew up searching and i was trying to be a good catholic girl there was one point i was trying to be a nun but realized you know you couldn't date if you're a nun that's frowned upon and when john and i got married eight years ago in aspen we were married at the aspen chapel we really liked the minister and we liked the message but when we came back to arizona we're still looking for a message maybe to find the right church and it wasn't until april 2014 a jewish friend of mine wendy who's listening in said, listen, we heard that Dr. Eben Alexander, the author of the book, Proof of Heaven, was coming to speak at Unity of Phoenix. And I said, wow, you know, I, I had read Dr. Alexander's book. He was a neurosurgeon in North Carolina, and he had had bacterial meningitis, was in a coma for several weeks. They were going to unplug him, and he came to and had this incredible story of the afterlife. And, and it, it's his proof as a neurosurgeon, heaven exists. And I said, my goodness. I said, first of all, I I love the book. And I think I'd been to Unity of Phoenix, but I haven't been inside. Because when my sons were going to Scottsdale Christian Academy, I would take them to the field outside of the church, drop them off so they can play soccer. So we knew where it was. And then that, that day in April, John and I attended Eben Alexander's presentation at Unity of Phoenix. And as we sat in the sanctuary waiting for the the event to begin, there was one program that was left over from Sunday service, and it was sitting on the seat beside us, and John picked it up, he perused it, and he said, you know, I think we should come to this church on Sunday. And we did, and we never never stopped coming, We we continued to attend it. Why did we come back? There are two reasons. It was the message. It made sense to us, it touched our souls, but most importantly it was the messenger. It was the messenger, and our messenger is here today. The messenger is Reverend Richard Mirage, who is the senior minister at Unity Phoenix Spiritual Center in Phoenix, Arizona. And what impressed us so much was when we went to church, the message always made sense to us. It always made sense in what we were doing in our life. It got us closer to God. It got us closer to spirit. And not everybody has that gift. And I really think when we listen to Reverend Mirage, the messages come through. And one of the things I really appreciate from his his sermons are he always shares a book or it should be Reverend Richard's Book Club. I think it's actually better than Oprah's Book Club, honestly. And the latest book that we were t- uh, discussing was this great book by author John O'Leary called On Fire, which everybody should, should definitely read that book. And I really think listening to Reverend Mirage, his message has always been positive, upbeat, peaceful, practical, and at many times funny. And he's got a tremendous story to tell. And, and I'm going to have him share that story in the second half of this of our show but his story is fascinating a little bit of background about him he was born on the island of Trinidad he was the eighth of ten children right big family and I remember uh, one time I was asking him how did your parents come up with names for, for kids and he said well it was whoever the actor was at the time so he was named after one of my favorite actors Richard Chamberlain who was Dr. Kildare Uh, He grew up in Canada, where my husband's from. He grew up in uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Before he was ordained in 1998, he was a professional speaker, which is a really big plus if you're communicating with people, Longtime member of the National Speakers Association, and Toastmasters International. Won many awards for that. He joined Unity of Phoenix in April 2005. But his life wasn't easy. It wasn't smooth. And on the contrary, he's experienced tremendous tragedy and difficulty that changed the trajectory of his life. So I want you to hold on and listen to their next uh, part of our, our show. and We're going to break in a few minutes here, but stand by. I'm going to introduce Reverend Richard Mirage from Unity Spiritual uh, of Phoenix. He's going to share his story. So please tune in in a few minutes, okay? Mm-hmm.
3: Become our friend on
0: Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward
4: slash Voice America.
3: Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano.
2: I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president.
3: Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president.
2: I'm going to call her office now and join her practice.
3: Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com.
0: Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment.
4: Are you ready to live younger, longer, Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit ApplyEveryday.com.
2: Friend us on Facebook to
0: keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1 346 9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I am so delighted and, and really honored to have today in studio my minister, the senior minister of Unity Phoenix Spiritual Center here in Phoenix, Arizona, Reverend Richard Mirage. Thanks, Richard, for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to join you, and uh, thanks for having me. It, it is really an honor. I shared a little bit uh, of, of your background. Your family grew up in Trinidad. You were the eighth of ten kids. Uh, loving mother, loving father, wonderful family, and you became the uh, a minister at Uni of Phoenix in April 2005, and you have such great messages, but I think your life hasn't been easy, and you've had many challenges, but I think th- there were a lot of life-changing events, but the main one happened to you when you were just 19 years old, right? Yes. What happened? Um, well, so I grew up
1: and I had this fabulous family, um, fabulous life, and everything was going great. And I was high school, um, high jump champion, captain Town High School basketball team, everything was great. And I was looking forward to my future. And the day after I graduated from high school, uh, unfortunately, was in a car accident where I was paralyzed and had a spinal cord injury and um, ended up spending six months in the rehab hospital. Uh, It was actually five um, and um, told I would never walk again. So it just I was absolutely just devastated. And, you know, as a kid who grew up, you know, listening to his parents and saying his prayers and eating his broccoli, I always thought, well, life will just go good when you do uh, good things. And having my life feel like it was destroyed Mm -hmm. and completely devastated, any hope for a happy life, or any athletics, or anything, just seemed to have disappeared. So I was absolutely destroyed, and felt such a, a level of hopelessness that I thought my life was uh, was over.
2: You talked about being angry for quite a while.
1: Yeah, I was. I was uh, disillusioned at first, and I couldn't believe it. And then, when it began to, when the reality began to. Mm-hmm. set in. That's when the anger and the depression and the upset uh, really, really took place. When I got out of the rehab hospital, which is a very cocoony place, okay. I was home, which was very cocoony. And then when I tried to start university um, uh, 14 months later, it was my first time being out in the world and seeing how life worked, mm-hmm. which suddenly me not being able to walk again and being in a wheelchair. So I was in the kinesiology program at the University of Waterloo in uh, Kitchener, Waterloo. And then I started seeing it was difficult to get into certain buildings. I had to go through the shipping en- entrance or the, dump- near by the dumpster, take a freight elevator up. And suddenly, you know, I, didn't, I realized, wow, I really can't do in a lot of things or a lot of things I can't participate in. And so I really sunk into a bit of depression. And um, you know, there, there were kids doing running on treadmills in the VO2 max in the in the uh, physiology labs. That I wanted to volunteer to run, and nobody wanted to do it. And here I am in a wheelchair, can't do it, and it was just excruciating. To, you to
2: having been an athlete, athlete, athlete and then and, this happened to right. you, and what? But what changed all that?
1: Well, um, you know. I sunk into a depression, started drinking, smoking, I mean, just doing a lot of self-destructive, even tried to, to, an attempt at suicide. And I remember one day I woke up, so there were several times I would wake up like on the floor thinking, how'd I get out? Mm -hmm. How'd I fall How did this? And there was one uh, morning I woke up and after doing a lot of destructive stuff for a while, um, and I literally heard a voice or felt a voice that said, Richard, I have something better for you than this. And for me, at a place where I felt my life was hopeless, I was depressed, I thought it was over, that was a glimmer of hope that really began to change the trajectory of my life. I didn't know what that hope was, but something in me knew I was supposed to do something greater and better here. And um, so I ended up leaving school And began working on getting out of the wheelchair getting on my feet using leg braces and crutches and interestingly before i left school i saw a young guy on on uh, crutches moving fast and um, i never got to uh, connect with him but i asked two people who is that guy who is that guy and his name was panel and i and i called him on the phone and i said hey how come you do that how can you do that full time it looks so hard and he said well I had polio, and when my mom um, had it diagnosed, the doctor said, uh, don't put him in a wheelchair, make him walk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then I I thought, okay, that's great. So I ended up doing that to myself. I left school, and I said I will not sit in a wheelchair again. Mm -hmm. And I learned... um, in my house walking mm-hmm. back and forth mm-hmm. to get to get to get out of the wheelchair and walk full time wow. and for my level of uh, lesion the, the l3 fracture i was the only one the doctors knew in hamilton that was walking full time wow and so that gave me a sense of purpose a yeah. sense of meaning to yeah. achieve something Absolutely. it was not a career <laughs> wasn't a life but it was something better for me than i had before
2: where was that? that voice coming from you wonder you know where it was you know, coming from <laughs> yeah I mean
1: uh, it, it was God's voice it was my spirit saying to awaken to something better than this you don't have to keep staying yeah. down feeling depressed or feeling your life's over there's still more possibilities for you how did you choose the ministry I didn't choose it it chose me you know a, a, another uh defining point in my time was when my brother introduced me to toastmasters yes i went to the first meeting i was so intimidated i didn't go back for two years because they all sounded so good and then i, I ended up going uh joining in uh, sacramento california because i figured i could embarrass myself there and i'll
3: <laughs> they do live it. in canada nobody I'll, knows you <laughs> i'm <I'll> only here <laughs> for
1: seven weeks and so and then i started entering speaking contests and found success then my brother said hey get out into the community and every time my brother kept pushing me but the speaking thing just started to become more and more fun. And then the president of a company in Mississauga, Ontario, Countrywide Automotive, asked me to speak to his salespeople and asked me how much I charge. And I thought, charge? I can, I can get paid. <laughs> and I was like, 300 And so, um, yeah, then that started going well. And so when the speaking thing and starting getting paid for keynotes and, and inspirational talks happened, my mom introduced me to, to unity. And then the spiritual messages of unity plus the inspirational, uh, motivational talking started feeding my soul more than just going to corporations. And so even though I didn't want to be, I actually wanted to be the motivational speaker. I didn't want to be a minister. I didn't want to work on weekends. I didn't want to wake up early on Sundays. I want to watch football and chill. <laughs> but something in my soul knew that I was, I was born to do that. Absolutely. And I, you, couldn't, you can't say no. Your head can tell you whatever it wants to. But when your soul knows what you're meant to do, you will eventually follow that path because that's what brings you the most joy Absolutely.
2: Are there days where it's a struggle for you to be a minister? Hard uh, times? Yeah, th- th-
1: it is. I mean, you know, being there and helping people through the, the difficult times of their lives and stuff. Uh, after a while, you know, you've got to make sure you're um, keeping yourself as pr- uh, clean and processed so you can be fully available to them. Make sure you're working on your stuff. I do uh, silent meditation retreats. I do stuff to make sure I feel inspired, I feel healthy, I'm growing, so I can support uh, people wherever they might be.
2: Every time we, we come to church on Sunday, we always think, well, what's Richard going to say this week? And it's one of those times, you you, you know, you get sad when you stop talking, because we just love listening to you talk, watching you on the stage, and how do you decide what you're going to talk about? Do some ideas come into your mind what the sermon's going to be about yeah, that week?
1: Yeah, you know, I get inspired by a talk or I get inspired by something someone might say to me. I remember once somebody was saying, man, good eye, good eye. He's got a good eye. And and then I was like, ah. Oh. And I thought, wow, you have a good eye. It can be like, hey, you catch a ball, you got a good, good eye. But it's like, hey, you could actually see mm-hmm. beyond what's now. Mm-hmm. And that's... You know, everyone's got a good eye to see beyond the physical, to see some greater possibility for their life. And so, and there's a scripture that says, lift up your eyes and see. And so I think sometimes we get to take our lives for granted, and so we need to lift up our eyes and see how good our life is. Yeah. And what good possibilities and um you know blessings and opportunities that are still out there that we sometimes don't seek our head might be down
2: because you know in in your ministry people come to you with their problems their struggles life is rough you know we've lost people people die How do you, you know, your own life lessons, you've been through some, you know, you've already, you know, tough times, they can see you. You've got your crutches on, you don't use a wheelchair, but you kept going, you never quit. How do you encourage them? How do you, what advice do you give people who are struggling? You know, usually it starts
1: with compassion for wherever they are, because the Mm -hmm. fact is we all hurt. And, you know, every one of us has been devastated. Every one of us has felt loss in some kind. So when you meet people right where they're at and just relate to them with compassion mm-hmm. and then begin to introduce to them that they have the possibility to see something better, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to have a more positive perspective, to utilize the gifts that they don't realize they have to create a more joyful life. To, um, so some of the things I get them to do, I call them the 3G solution. The first one is to um, be grateful for what you have. Tell me what's good about your life. Then secondly is what are your goals? What would you like to create? If now isn't going so well, what would you like that to look like? And then the third one is actually to give. Sometimes we go caught up in ourselves a lot and one of the best things you do is go help someone. You know, give a hand, give some advice, give some encouragement to someone because then that begins expanding our own energy. And to me, those are some simple things that just get people going when they're a little bit stuck or feeling like life isn't gonna get better.
2: You know, one of the things you shared with us, you you went on a silent retreat this year. Can you share what what you learned from that?
1: That was a phenomenal experience. It was a 10-day silent retreat. And the first thing I learned is that quietness really helps create a sense of peace and clarity. Everyone kept saying, well, what was it like to not speak for 10 days? It was heavenly. Because what happens is when you don't speak, and also there was no reading, no writing, no phone, no outside contact, no TV, no exercising. It was just you with you. And what I loved about it is all your distractions go away, and you're present. My favorite was eating in silence. (laughs) You really tasted the food. You smelled the food, the experience. I felt more engaged, more relaxed, more alive. By not speaking
2: do you feel maybe God does communicate with us we get messages we just don't hear it all in the, the time. busy life yep yeah,
1: I believe there's always messages. the question is are we tuned in and yeah. are, are we receiving it and the best way to do it is actually to quiet the mind yeah. to quiet and be still and then those ideas and inspiration, the clarity and the peace begins to flow much easier. It's always there. The question is: Are we aligned ourselves with it and present to what's always there?
2: One of the things that impresses me when we see you on Sunday. You encourage as Part of the exercise is positive affirmation and breathing. And a lot of times we forget to breathe. People are just so uptight. I was like, take a deep breath, and it's like everybody, and it just makes you relax. And and then that's when you sort of calm and still the soul and, and you can hear the messages come through. But the other thing we look forward to is your humor. You have a gift of humor and, and you shared with us, I think a year or so ago, you know, what you love to do is, believe it or not as a minister, stand up comedy.
1: Yeah, I just think uh, laughter is such a great thing. I use it in speaking because it helps people relax and it opens their heart for you to go a little deeper or to inspire them or touch them in a greater way. But who doesn't like laughing? I mean, laughing just makes you feel good. It feel you feel alive. You feel more joyful. Uh, you feel lighter and brighter. So yeah, I just I just love comedy. I've enjoyed watching comedians all my life, and I thought, what a cool thing to get up there and to make people laugh. Do you
2: study it? Did you go to somebody, a trainer, somebody to learn? Well, actually,
1: yeah. My uh, my uh, comedy coach, uh, Brian Ritchie, uh, Brian Richie. In fact, he's performing tonight at the House of Comedy that I may go see him uh, later for a little bit of his bit. But put
2: a plug in uh, for him. uh, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he really is
1: terrific. Brian Ritchie is awesome. (laughs) And I did a a five day uh, course or or six week course at um, at Tempe Improv. He was my coach and for five of the weeks, you work on some material and on the sixth, you get to perform uh, for 10 minutes. He actually gave me 15 at the Improv. And so that was the coolest, coolest experience. So I've done some um, some amateur nights. I've gotten paid. At, uh, I did uh, um, a feature act at uh, Papa Chulio's, I think on Scottsdale near Chaparral. So that was really, really uh, a lot of fun.
2: What is your humor center around?
1: It's mainly mainly observational stuff about, about life and looking at things in a, in a slightly different way. I really like words, so I like looking at words and saying sometimes the words, what it actually says isn't actually what it means. You know, like um, every now and then, That means like we go there every now and then, which is like once in a while. But the fact is, if it's every now, which is all the nows, and then how could you be there every now and then? If you're already here now, you can't go then. So every now and then actually means all the time plus more, not once in a while. And I do another one on ass backwards, which I hope that's not bad to say on the radio. It's okay. It's
2: cool. Because, uh,
1: and I say, oh, well, you do that ass backwards. Well, your ass is backwards. That's how you're supposed to do things. Now it's ass forward. That would be messed up. But so I just do little uh, things like that. And I do little bits about food, about how we use food in our language so much. You know, I. You know um she's the apple of my eye and life was a bowl of cherries you know i really love her buns and her (laughs) melons i mean are all kinds of different things and i stupidly had a fling with a tart and so you just you know it's just fun to play around with ideas and i think that's what comedians do they observe and notice things that are always there but you look at it in a slightly different way
2: but i think with your message you people remember I mean, there's one thing to share the message, but make it so, you know, in a lot of ways, you got to be an entertainer. You have to entertain the masses with the Lord's message, the message from God, you know, spirituality, but also something they can remember. You know, how does it stick? Do you have a favorite joke you like?
1: Oh, I love lots of them. I mean, I I really have a lot that I like. One of the ones I like is their uh, husband and wife have this argument, and they're both giving each other the silent treatment. And then after about three days of it, the husband realizes he needs to get up to catch a 7 a.m. flight to uh, Chicago. And so he doesn't want to break the silence, but he needs his wife help because he has trouble, even with an alarm clock, waking up. So to not break the silence, he writes a note and puts it at the side of her bed so she'll see it before she goes to bed. And the note says, uh, please wake me up at 5 a.m. I need to catch a business flight. So he ends up going to sleep. He wakes up at 7.30, misses the flight. He's absolutely furious. Can't believe she does that. She's not in the room. He's about to get up, and he notices a little note at the sides of his bed, and it says... It's 5 a.m. Wake up. And so... <laughs> but, you know, the thing I like that, that about um, speaking and doing humor in an inspirational way is I use the humor to try and drive the point home. In comedy, you just make people laugh, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But the reason I like using humor um, in, in my messages and my talks is because I use it as a tool to go deeper into people's hearts. To get them out of their heads and to go deeper to inspire them Mm -hmm. and to see things and feel things that they aren't seeing. Because it's a really, it's a great opportunity to not only uplift people and make them feel good, but to feed them with something inspirational that they will leave with. Absolutely. You know, my goal every week is um, to have the message be meaningful, relevant, and practical. When i went to church as a kid i just heard some ideas and i couldn't know how to relate it to my daily life Mm -hmm. and so when i became a minister i thought i want every sunday every talk i do to be meaningful practical and relevant to people's lives and what they're dealing with today
2: absolutely one of the things i remember with my sons when they were growing up and they were teenagers and there was that stage in their life typical teenagers right and i would say something and they'd look at me like mom that means what to me? And really, what they're asking is, what's the relevance? Right. You know, what's the message that it applies to my life? And 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 definitely, you. Every time we listen to you, the message is there, and and it's not only the message but the messenger. Um, we're going to do a quick little break, and then when we come back, I'm going to ask you two questions. Does is there evidence in the Bible that Christ has a sense of humor? And does God have a sense of humor? So. Stay tuned for, uh, to hear Reverend Richard Mirage from Unity Phoenix Spiritual Center answer those very interesting questions in a few minutes, all right?
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television?
3: Let us surprise you.
0: Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
4: Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature by using ingredients Proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Our nation's educational system is undergoing constant change as technology and society are redefining the system as we have known it. On Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton, we provide parents with the resources they need to understand and become a part of the educational experience for their children. Through engaging guests, news, interactive discussions, and innovative ideas, it's everything that parents should know about school. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Who's your doctor?
3: When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious who looks after the President of the United States?
2: I'm going to call her office now and join her practice.
3: Dr. Connie Mariano, this is Dr. American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com.
4: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: You are tuned in to house calls with former white house physician dr connie mariano if you have a question or comment for our show today please call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to dr connie at gmail.com that's drconnieradio at gmail.com now back to house calls with dr
2: connie we 're so blessed to have Senior Minister Reverend Richard Mirage from Unity Phoenix Spiritual Center here with us today he 's my minister actually, I, I consider him part of my God squad <laughs> you know he 's the guy who keeps me on the straight and narrow and inspires me every week and it 's the message and the messenger and One of the things we were talking about a few minutes ago was humor and how he uses humor to connect and get the message across and be memorable and to perpetuate that message and posing the question does does christ show a sense of humor in the bible the closest
1: we have to him being funny is when he said it's easier for a man a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to enter the eye of a needle that's as funny as i think mm-hmm. it actually had but i'm i'm sure he laughed i'm sure he is and his disciples had a a lot of fun doing the work they did and, and getting to hang around and support each other
2: and then God. Does
1: God have a sense well, uh, of humor? One hundred percent. The answer is yes, because God made people. And people are the weirdest creatures. I thought giraffes were weird looking. But I think human beings are just hysterical and odd and 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 of course making males and females and having them get along together, I think it's a like you've got to have a pretty good sense of humor. God must be laughing, going, that. Look
2: what look what they're doing down there. there. But your message, you know, one of the messages we were talking about, the messages from God and and you talked about your silent retreat and just being still and no distractions because we live in a distracting world. You know, it's your phone, it's emails, it's it's things constantly going at you. If you watch TV, it's not only what's on the screen, it's but what's going across the bottom of the screen. We live in an ADD society. You can't focus, you can't think. So if God was trying to get a message to us, it'd have to slam you at the side of the head with a two <laughs> by four. But we talk about, you know, the signs from God. and y- yeah, I, I, I'm sharing this one because it it uh, happened to me in the, a few weeks ago. I got in the mail at the same time. It was a letter addressed to me from me. And I looked at the back and I realized it was a it was a note that I had written to myself when I attended a writing conference at Harvard. Six months ago, I was in Boston, and it was Harvard's writing course for physicians to get you writing. And I, I promised my agent Susan Crawford a long time ago, since my last book was published. My gosh, it's been eight years. To say, okay, I'm getting ready to write the next book, and she says the the publishers at St. Martin's Press in New York want want the next book. Get get us the get us the book outline, then we'll get going. Because you know, a lot of times for a writer you need two things to write that book. You need a book outline, and you need an advance check. So, But anyway, I, I wrote this thing to myself, and it said, Dear Connie Goals, write your second book on longevity, uh, and you want it to be a New York Times bestseller and get it done now. So that came in the mail. I went, oh, yeah, I would written that. But at the same time, the little message from God was a letter that arrived at the same time from my agent Susan with my royalty check from my previous book, and it was like, "Ooh, get off your behind and get going." But we're talking about books, and you said you're writing a book right now. Can you share about your book? Yeah, it's
1: called uh, "You Are Stronger Than You Know: N- Finding the Courage uh, to Overcome and Live Your Most Authentic Life." And so, um, you know, I think all of us have a, a, a greater life to live than we sometimes allow to come out of ourselves. And I think it takes courage. I think it takes courage to live and be true to yourself. You know, it takes courage to say yes. It takes courage to say no. It takes courage to forgive, and so um, the book is really to help people find the courage to discover the truth of who they are, and and to let it shine, and to let it shine brightly, and not think it's lesser than anyone else because it's not this or that, or doesn't bring a lot of money, or a lot of people don't know about it. There is a truth and an authenticity and a gift that we're all here to give to the world. And I think we all need to realize that and then have the courage to let it come forth.
2: So how far along are you on your book right now? You know, now?
1: It's, it, it, I have really got it all kind of outlined. I've done talks on it. Um, so I feel it's really me now having my own courage to realize it's time for me to share this in a more formal way uh, with the world in a written form. I feel very comfortable sharing verbally, but you know sometimes I get a little intimidated, and so that's my growth area is to have the courage to actually put it down in writing and be disciplined to actually uh, follow it through to completion.
2: You know, again, this is a message, I think, when, when my husband John Weber bought me this show uh, four years ago, and said, "Listen, this is your way to get your book written on longevity. Because part of it is I've talked about, it. I've given talks about my eleven presidential secrets to longevity. You know, there's the the talking part, but there's the sitting down on your behind part, mm-hmm. where you're in front of a computer and you're writing it. And it's just how do you get it from your mouth to your fingers so that you put it in paper? Okay. Because and and one of my friends who you know the publishing people always say you got to believe at least one person out there needs to read this story one person out there needs to read your book and you're going to write it for that one person so if this at least the message from god was god put you in front of a microphone and said you're going to write that book that's going to get you out there because then from that, there's more of your platform that circulates, people read it. Are you going to self-publish, or do you have a publisher, or how are you going yeah, to get I the Yeah, I don't
1: book right now, and I'd like to get more educated. So I, I would like to start being more proactive and finding out what's the best way uh, to go.
2: Well, we can talk more about that later, because there's several ways. Uh, there are people who will self-publish online. They'll do that, and they own a large percentage of, of the, the material. I went through a uh, a literary agent because the the big publishing houses in New York City, the you know, I have St. Martin's Press as my publisher, and then you have Random and Knopf and all those. They will not even look at your manuscript unless you have a literary agent who sherpas it and pres, you know pr, uh, presents it to them, and they go over your contract and they give you deadlines and they they give you an advance that they pitch to you, and there's a whole industry with that. Mm. And it's an older business, but that's the advantage of a, a large publishing company is the distribution because they'll get it into airports, they'll get it reviewed by, you know, the uh, the New York Times, the uh, the uh, the people, you know, Wall Street Journal book reviews. You know, you'll be on NPR, you'll be in multiple, and they do this blitz of uh, advertising, and we we'll get the word out. When my book came out eight years ago we did a uh, we opened the book we 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 started launched it in New York City and my uh, agent and actually the publisher itself had like a two-week book tour and I had 20 cities that you travel and they line up all these book events and I always tell people if you're writing your book because everybody's got a great story to tell you gotta really love the material over and over again because when people review your book a lot of times they don't even read it they'll just read the cover and they'll read some reviews and then somebody on their staff will, will, will pose the questions. So it's gotta be a topic you love talking about and you will be asked over and over again the same questions, but you just gotta love the material over and over again. And when I wrote my book, my memoir, I wrote it in the evening between 10 and three in the morning so there were no interruptions on the phone and this is strange I, I had a house that I rented at that time and I watched reruns of Sex in the City now I don't know if, if that's any type of great inspiration for writing a book during the Clinton years but I was watching Sex in the City <laughs> uh, eating potato chips and drinking Diet Coke now that's not very healthy a lot of my New York Times best-selling author friends have substance abuse issues God bless them but that was my way to sort of channel the success of my writing friends but those are the, the things that, you know, writing a book is always, you know, people say, I've got to write a book, but it, you've got to, you know, transfer the verbal down into the written. And then the things that advice they've given me is when you write the book, write it at a third grade level, right? Very simple. As though you're talking to somebody. And I think when I was writing late at night, and reading it, it kept me awake. It was like, if you can read it out loud and say, Oh, well, this sounds pretty good. You know, it's almost dictating, dictate your book, because somebody out there needs to, to read that. I mean, your story is incredible. I just think about what you've been through. And every time I see you up there with your crutches and you're getting up there and, you're, you know, you're strong, but you, you give people hope. And, you know, I look at the audience out there and the struggle that we face. And, you know, there's a lot of suffering in this world. We all suffer. We all have some suffering in one way or another. How do we get through this life? to be positive and practical and 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 to be strong as well. And we look to our people, our ministers, and, and our faith leaders for that. But you know, as we wrap this show up, we talk about messages from God. Are there messages you'd like to share from us that would give people hope out there?
1: You know, I've really come to believe that, I mean, you know, everybody wants to be happy, everyone wants to be successful. I believe the key to it is, um, how do you handle life when it isn't going your way? It's easy to be happy when everything is going your way the thing that makes life fulfilling and meaningful is how do you handle it when it isn't going your way? And, and to not run from it, to not avoid it, not to think that, oh, that's stopping me. No, it is usually going through those difficulties that we discover who we are. It is going through those, uh, those, those situations. Um, we discover strength and beauty and appreciation and expand our capacity. And so I, I would like to encourage people to say, whenever life is tough, you know, realize that it's gonna help you. Don't run from it. You've got it in you. There's something great in you wanting to be birthed through this process. And just take a little time to be still regularly, to let the signs from God come through. Let the inspiration, let the guidance of clarity come through. Because it's how you show up in life when it isn't working that ultimately um, reveals a level of fullness and, and meaning in your life.
2: What a great message for everybody out there. For those of you who are listening, if you if you're in Phoenix and you want to c- Come listen in and attend the, uh, the sermons and the sessions at Unity Phoenix Spiritual Center. It's located on Greenway Road. Go online and, and Google the church there at Unity Phoenix Spiritual Center. There are podcasts where you can see Reverend Mirage, Reverend Richard uh, talking to the audience. Uh, and, and you've also got Facebook. You've got your messages that read. And it's interesting when I look at the posts from your your website from, from, from the church, it always makes sense. It's like, how do they know I was going through that today? That was that, uh, that message that was coming through. So for all of you listening, God God talks to all of you. You just have to be still and silent to hear the message and and open your heart to the message to give you strength to get through what you're going through today. So God bless you all. Thanks for listening in, and we look forward to talking with you and sharing our time with you next week. Have a great week. Take care. <laughs>